in the words of Public Enemies, Chuck D, bring the noise. Phone and Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is what's good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you all had a good week in the circumstances. <laughs> there we go. Got it. <laughs> now, I hope you all are doing fine. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's beginning to wane onto people. I'm, I'm beginning to I'm begin to see. Uh, but you know, just just so you know, guys, we are all in this. We're all in this together. You know, and by in this, I mean. No barbers. I know, guys. I know. We need these trims. I, I, I know, bro. Like my, my hair is starting to curl up now. It's, it's, it's about to go down. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's about to get ugly. All right. So, so hang in there. We will get through this. And once we are past that precipice, and we, we are allowed to be free again, boy, our trims are gonna look clean. They're gonna look crispy. You know this. You know this. <laughs> Gonna look crispy, that gonna look crispy. But anyway, that aside, uh, that rune aside, we shall get into the uh, topic of today's uh, episode, which is obviously interview season. We are continuing that uh, interview season, and for this one is a special one for me because um, we did. I did. I had so much material for this episode. Uh, I had to split it into two. I had to split it into two parts. So um, yeah, this is this is the first time for me. Um, very interesting on an editing perspective, but um, you yeah, know, it's, it's it's great, and I'm glad uh, we had enough of a conversation with this particular person uh, that we were able to get nearly two hours out um, in terms of conversation. Uh, it was very wide ranging, as you can imagine. So, without further ado, my uh, guest for this episode is Mr. Rick Flo, artist. Graphic designer, rapper, lyricist, whatever you want, however you want to slice that. Uh, as a, he is a solo artist, but he is also one third of the hip hop group Jungle Brown. Um, if you've seen my particular uh, forays into uh, music in the past year, you know I am a big fan of Jungle Brown. I've been been one since I saw them uh, support Master Race at Jazz Cafe around this time last year. Um, it was just super refreshing just to see a, you know, just a hip hop group do hip hop stuff, but you know, sound wise, they don't just do hip hop just to say, but you know, it's, it's, it's mainly hip hop and, um, I'm completely, uh, happy about that. But yeah, we, uh, get into a lot of things, as you can imagine with the two, nearly two hour, uh, two hour, uh, recording. Um, we get into his beginnings in, in this particular part, um, this particular episode, I guess we'll start, we'll go with that. Um, we talk about his beginnings, um, and uh, the concept of farming. Um, if you guys have uh, not seen that, f- seen the film Farming, or just don't know the concept, um, I personally didn't really know about even the concept, and uh, I still don't, from an education perspective, I don't really uh, know, still don't know much about it. But um, you know, if you don't, if you don't know the concept of farming, it's uh, very fascinating. He does explain it um, in good detail, and uh, he is he was a, a, a product of of farming. Um, so that's a, that was a very interesting uh, part of the conversation, and uh, yeah, we just get into mainly his beginnings uh, in most facets, uh, how he grew up, uh, why he decided to, uh, why why did he go to draw, why did he 
start writing rhymes and uh, how was it, I guess, life before Jungle Brown. And uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a very, we get very in-depth, as you can imagine, and uh, I'm all grateful for it that he he just goes into so much detail with everything. Like, I just had to, all I had to do was just sit back. Like, honestly, it was, it was so good. It was an interviewer's dream. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very happy how this came out and, uh, yeah, man, that said, let's just, uh, jump right into it. So for, for Matthew, before we begin, we have the email, Twitter, IG, and Facebook as well, and also the Discord if you want to join on that as well. And, uh, yeah, this is part one of my interview with Mr. Rick Flo. Hope you guys enjoy Mr. Rick Flo, boy, it's good, sir. I'm good, man. I'm blessed. Like as I said, um, I appreciate being on your podcast. Like I've never done this remote thing online like this. Reminds mm. me of like MSN <laughs> days. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, sick. I was, I was in that, I was in that, just, just on that precipice of being on MSN. Like in terms of age, I was just on MSN for a minute, just, just, just for a little bit. And then everyone just fucked off to Facebook, so I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, jeez. Yeah, nah, it shows my age, because I went, what, well, I remember, yeah, we had AOL, which I couldn't actually get mm-hmm. on, because my, my parents were like, nah, this is like the devil, you're not supposed to be on in here. <laughs> they, were, they were weird about the internet, but obviously, like, I was, I was just went to college, was loving yeah. Kazaa, LimeWire, a little bit of Napster, but then we went on to, um, I think that was Facepick, FaceParty, Bebo. Jeez. And then MySpace and Facebook. Uh-huh. So that that well, shows that shows my age. Out all of them, huh? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Beta testing all of them. Okay, fine. Fair yeah, enough. man. Without saying my age, it's like you know, I look at like J Cole, middle child. Like that's where I'm at. Like <laughs> I know time before the internet, and yeah, yeah, I've lived it. So yeah, yeah. I'm a bit. I like feel that. like I feel like our age range is um, a decent place to be because like we. I feel I feel like for me. Um, being 23, it's just like, I, I have a sister who's 10 years older than me anyway. So for the things that, but there you go, before, there's my age. Exactly. Ooh. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so I managed to gauge like, like that particular, um, I guess time frame or whatever in terms of what she had. And then I had what I had. And then we both had the same things at one, uh, uh, obviously to this point now, it's just like, I, I had I had the ability to just reach back a little bit to just like catch a Game Boy Color or something like. Oh something shit! Like that. Yeah, there's the memories yeah. there. Shit! Yeah, no, I had, I, had, I had a black, I had the monotone Game Boy. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Mortal Kombat, Tetris, Mario. Hey, they're all fun memories. So. Yeah, man. Yeah, mad. Oh, we we could do this. We could do this for a while. <laughs> yeah. We could do this for a while. But anyway, <laughs> we shall begin where we always begin, which technically we already are. But um, you know, let's just, just be official about it. Um, so where were you born? Uh, what were you like growing up? And what was your environment like as you grew up? Okay. Um. So I was born in Nigeria, uh, Lagos. Yeah. My mum brought me over to England when I was one years old. Not like I have any memory, but that's the story. Um, and then uh, basically, yeah, I was in Hackney, East London, up until eight years old. And then my mum said to me, do I want to live in another part of London or Bournemouth? 
in the south coast of the UK mm. and mm-hmm. um, you know being that age all I knew was Hackney Market school and McDonald's so like <laughs> just here in another yeah. place was like alright cool let's do it and then yeah. you could say life changed as I knew it because um, I was fostered in Bournemouth and uh, the thing is when people hear about foster care they they you know obviously a lot of images can conjure up and oh yeah the parents were bad but literally for my mum uh, foster care was just literally childminding it was like you know this like there's there was a film that came out last year called farming and the term farming mm. in regards to foster care is in regards to there was a phenomena between the 70s and 80s where west african parents used to farm their children to white suburban families so they can make right. the most of benefits within this country um, right. so I was just a part of that phenomenon so it was private essentially it was like child minding it was private fostering um, where the government knew about it but they wasn't fully involved in the regulations of how many uh, kids were uh, being fostered privately um, but then basically social services took over the situation within a few years because uh, the, the, the first carers I was living with were pretty racist Um they like to be honest. I thought they were like gypsies or something because I remember they had ferrets. Like they had a horse in their garden. They had all sorts of weird animals. They had a caravan in their front yard, um, and they used to steal from Asda. It was just it was just a low income like family just trying to get money by any means. So they wasn't right. really looking out for my kid. I was like, all right, let's yeah, we'll get a bit of money from this this kid's mum and we'll do this and we'll do that. Um, and then plus on the flip side of things, when I used to go back to my mum's in the summer holiday in early life. Um, she was working all the time like like 24 7 so uh social services used to just look at that as neglect eventually um and there's a little bit more to it but essentially it was a it was a combination of either of these carers are not um good enough to look after you so we're going to take over the situation and then um yeah predominantly most of my life yeah uh, well most of my life but Eight onwards, I was in. I was in care. Went through about five, six, well, five placements, um, and then uh, the good story is that I would say that the fifth carer, their family to me to this day, um, and the foundation of what I see as family, I've I've taken from them, um, and when it comes to understanding what home and belonging is, I would say I found that in creativity initially. Um, or on a more kind of kind of basic level, you could just say school, but in the sense of just um, where I found my comfort, uh, being a little bit of an introvert as well, it's just, I, mm. I just love drawing and, and, and art and just using my imagination. So even being in a house for six weeks holiday, which should be like the most amazing time for a kid, because um, it was all I knew before care, that was when I was just watching WWF Copy an ultimate warrior, you know, just just jumping on sofas and just you know kids will find a way to entertain themselves. So yeah. it didn't really seem that bad as a kid because I didn't have another world to compare it to. It was only when I went into care that I started questioning my actual identity because I'm like, oh rah, like does my mum really love me? Because in Bournemouth, I'm allowed to go outside. I've got a bike. I'm playing Kirby, Kiss Chase, whatever. So it's it's. <laughs> It's, it's, it's yeah it's interesting it's not um i just look at it like i used to think i was i was a kid in between two worlds but now i know both them worlds complement me because um 
you know, when you talk to some people from London, it's like they don't even know a world outside of London and or mm. even beyond England in the sense of, let's say, in my latter life, being able to travel and just see different cultures. So um, I'm generally a half full person, you can say, in the sense of glass half full, half empty. So I generally look at, you know, the optimism side of things and try and take them experiences and, and, and help others that have been in a similar experience and trying to find closure and... And, and the pieces, the puzzles, the pieces of the puzzle to their story. So I know that's a long way to answer, but that's pretty much the foundation of how I grew up. That's good. The long, the, the longer the better, and you know, it's um, it's, uh, it's it's interesting detail to be honest. Um, a couple of things I got from that. Um, I didn't I didn't see farming. Um, that slipped through my fingers, unfortunately. But um, I didn't realize it was such a um. Even even once that you know the the minor hype around it in terms of black uh, UK black cinema came round to it, it was just like I personally didn't really know about that kind of um, that uh, I guess a uh, way way of uh, living I guess in terms yeah. of just like how how stuff is done um, as it pertains to African families in the UK. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's just something I've never really uh, gathered. But yeah, no, the of... majority of people have no clue. I didn't have a clue until, like, say, music-wise, uh, my right. first uh, project was was called A Boy Called Rick, which was inspired by the book A Child Called It. Um, yeah, and yeah. Um, when I was trying to gather information to kind of fill in that that gap, because I guess essentially the reason why I started that project because obviously rap is about talking about your life experience but uh, in the sense of not having anything around me to latch onto and just being a sponge to you know commercial media like you know i was just copying eminem or you know will smith um all of these commercial rappers at the time and i or even like you know uk garage stuff i wasn't really going into my story because i didn't have no mirror of that within what i saw but i guess when i look deeper into hip-hop being the voice of the voiceless. I always wondered why I never heard from the perspective of someone who's been in foster care. So um, that was pretty much my, my, my catalyst and purpose. And um, as I was trying to gather information about the black experience and being in foster care and da-da-da-da-da, um, I actually saw the pilot to farming, which was in 2014. Um, I remember even jacking it off YouTube and putting it on my channel because I wanted, I wanted content to inform this weird um, upbringing that I didn't, that I had no clue about until mm. yeah six years ago, um, and then I got some cease or cease and desist letter from his from from Adewale's, uh lawyer. <laughs> and I was just like, what? I was just like, come on, like it's all love. I'm just putting this on my channel to inform people of of, of the of the story and give content uh, that informs that. Uh, but anyway, I, I took it down. But obviously, he got the money and it, he made it uh, Hollywood. And I'm even at the, like, once, once you get to uh, watch the film, I'm at the, I'm on the end credits um, in regards, not in regards to Jack in the pilot, but <laughs> like uh, he had a call out online on any person, um, any yeah African person, I think, uh, West African people that have been in this experience of farming to send their yeah. photos to, to inform, you know, the nation and people, how many people were involved in the situation. Because... Yeah, you, you, your response is, has been like literally 98% of people that I met, no one had a clue about this because it's always been kept under the radar. And mm. even in the sense of 
the way I know my mum and the kind of culture of um, West Africa, it's like, you're not, yeah, you got to keep, there's a lot of secrecy, let's just say that. So it's not even saying that um, most people will be proud of saying, um, which is kind of strange because, um, yeah, it's affected a lot of people to the point mm. where it's like, you know, some people feel lost, you know, um, uh, to their roots, to the, to, to the identity. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's good just, as I said, having that out there in the media, um, it gave me a bit of closure and it gave me a bit of understanding the pieces to my puzzle to give me more uh, grounding within life. So. Yeah, man. Um, I, I, I feel like there can it can be really easy to just like um, find negatives in the whole thing, um, especially if you you know um, grow up past it mm. and realise that you know this is this is different, or or in some cases it just like it doesn't seem normal, or it should it shouldn't be normal, I guess, in that fashion. Mm. Um, but it's interesting the fact that you managed to find some positives out of it because I was like trying to think about I was trying to put myself in your shoes to be honest and I was just while you were talking I was just like hmm even if I did write bars it'd be very angry <laughs> yeah, yeah. it just it'd just be like fuck the world <clears throat> so, like just like, it sounds it sounds like there's just it sounds like a just a breeding ground for angst and just for um like you said, lost, uh, uh, being lost, I guess, in that fashion. It's just, a, uh, yeah, it's very fascinating. But um, I guess that is more a test to you as a person that you've managed to, I guess, see it as um, just how, I guess, how you grew up. And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, you can really, I guess, um, change anything if you could, I guess. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just how it goes. So, you know, salute to you on that fashion. Just yeah, for, no, saved you. Um... Yeah, man. But I hear what you're saying about the, the let's say, the pain side of it. To be honest, um, I, I put it online. Rap was therapy for me. Um, yeah. In the sense of just, yeah, having this release that, you know, I didn't necessarily say to friends or even say to my foster carers. But you, you, you can just put your emotions on this page. And better yet, when you express it vocally on, on the mic, um, you, you draw that emotion out. So, um, and... and and it's just a blessing that it's been able to connect um, to people that have lived in a similar experience. And I'm in a position now where I do rap workshops with young people in care mm-hmm. to show them that, you know, this expression is for you. Like, um, like at the end of the day, look how far I've come and I've told my story. Like, you, a lot of the time you hear, I guess, uh, I don't know, that's boisterous like, kind of attitude and just like... And just like money, hose and clothes and all that. And, mm-hmm. it's, and, it, and it's cool, you know, there's always going to be that status quo, but yeah, it's yeah. just reminding young people that this is not what the music's actually about. And for you to have authenticity and have this tool for um, for therapy, like that's this is what it is. Like we're supposed to we're t- tell authentic stories um, um, about the way we've lived. For, so when we're gone, like people know, like we're not just like capitalists 
mad people. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 been a, it's been a blessing to uh, get this far. But yeah, no, definitely in some of the songs, honestly, like you'll 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 hear the anger. But generally, in the sense of my mindset, I just you just vent it out and keep it moving, basically. Ha, we'll get to that. Um, it's a, it's a, it's I guess it's the purest sense in in some ways of like um using art um just to escape or people create to escape and yeah yeah exactly so you know so i, I completely yeah yeah completely exactly understand. i would say testament to my carers as well like mm. I, I obviously have like five placements but the fifth one as i said the family to me to this day and they're like when i think about where my life could have went because when you hear like there's yeah. mad statistics like only let's say six percent of people in foster care go to university 25 percent of wow. the prison system were from care yeah. so or 50 percent under 25 so when you when you hear this madness like i believe that if i didn't have you know the right support around me there might not even be bars like, and if there was bars i would be more yeah, angry yeah. like for instance dmx i found out was in care and D- D- DMX, I never knew that when I was younger, but when it comes to kind of the way he articulates himself and the latter stage of where he's at now of just not coming out of rehab, but, you know, he's just not the person he used to be in the sense of mm-hmm. his trajectory at the time. He was, mm-hmm. like, competing with Jay-Z. Like, he was the biggest thing in, like, 98. Like, even people thought DMX was better yeah. than Jay-Z, but, like, to see where Jay-Z's went and DMX, it's like, you know, DMX almost went off the rails, but, you know, like... Getting back to the point, it's like if you've got that um, support structure, then obviously that determines a bit of your development and your attitude towards life. So I'm just grateful that I, I had that because, yeah, it could have been a lot different. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Um, so after that period of um, growing up, and you obviously said that you basically, I guess, um, discovered you know um writing bars drawing stuff like that um what what, how did you i guess um how did you how did did you manifest um those particular things um as you uh, as you went along through your teenage years um so yeah initially it was just drawing i just i just love uh like, as I said, drawing my favourite characters, whether it was like, I remember some... Uh, do you remember Pogs? I've heard the words. I, I, don't, yeah, I, don't, I don't remember. That shows my age as well. <laughs> anyway, Pogs was was probably around around the same time as Spice Girls, because I remember drawing some of the predominant Pogs characters around that time. Oh, but yeah. right. So, yeah. Uh, sorry, I just, I just Googled it. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that... Yeah, yeah that... that, that um, yeah. Around that time. But yeah, Sheesh. so... Oh, uh, what else? Um, what else was I drawing? Uh, Dragon Ball Z characters, uh-huh. all of that stuff. So drawing was the initial kind of space because when my mum was like, you know, you know, education and just being a doctor and all that stuff was very uh, pushed down your throat. So she was like, oh, you need to read your books. Da, da, da. I didn't really like reading. I'm a bit dyslexic and I prefer drawing. I prefer visuals. So mm-hmm. drawing was kind of the first space of where I nurtured my creativity, I would say. Right. And then... Um, when um i got into like when i heard these like do you remember like um i guess yeah top of the pops um gmtv live i think it was called um now that's what i call music 98 all that stuff 
Now I remember now that's why I call music ninety eight because I think I heard Buster Rhymes give me some more. There's a guy called A Plus. Enjoy yourself. He had a song like that. Even like bait pop groups like Five having a rapper in in the group because it was like the in thing. Like I re- yeah. I just remember I used to listen to these tapes, and I remembered every single word of the rap songs. Yeah. Even like the pop songs to be honest, but I just had a fascination for rhyme and just learning these songs. Um. So I guess that's where I got my first kind of taste of just how, how yeah, patterns and, and songwriting works. But I was writing basic, you could say nursery rhymes back in year six. <laughs> um, yeah. Then, you know, the Will Smith rap from uh, French Prince of Ballet. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then uh, year seven, I remember um, in music class, we used like, uh, they used to have a keyboard where you can had like pre, like, like pre-instrumentals, do you remember? And um, I just used to put it on different tempos. Yeah. Uh, that that same tune, whatever, the same program tunes on different tempos and just try and rap as fast as I can or as slow as I can just to like whatever was in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were loving it in the class and they was like, oh yeah, Rick, you're sick. Like, what about your own raps? And then I guess I was copying Eminem at first. I remember one of my first rhymes was like, I come in your house, harass your daughter, slaughter everyone in the headquarters, in the pig station, while the judge is having a masturbation. I was like, that's nothing like what I would say today, but you can see the clear influence of um, Slim Shady. Yeah. Um, and then I guess, you know, as a kid, you're just a sponge to whatever you hear. So even, you know, that's like the Eminem inspired stuff. Then I used to, you know, UK, gar- like So Solid Crew was coming through then and like Dizzy Rascal. So then, you know, I've got the garage bars. Um, and then uh, I would say, yeah, I wrote my first song uh, called Believe when I was like 15. Um, which to be honest, in the sense of like self-affirmations and like, all this positive thinking stuff. Like I wasn't, I had no clue about it back then, but saying to yourself, if you believe, then you succeed. Mm. If you don't, you won't get money or get broke. I mean, it's not that great of a line, but if you believe, then you succeed, you know, that's like a mantra, some positive, like Les Brown, Tony Robbins guy would be saying. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad I was doing that at 15. So yeah, um, I guess the seed of like my positivity is, has always been there. But um, yeah, that was it. And then, uh, I went to around college times yeah I was doing talent shows actually going back to secondary school talent shows and I was willing the talent shows being doing Will Smith getting jiggy with it Miami whatever I was allowed to do that wasn't cursing um, and you know that was getting me popular nice with the ladies in school so that that, okay. that was helping um, especially as I felt there was a transition of like in year six it was like oh who's this new kid uh, like he's black he's ugly like just madness like this and I remember the same girls were like feeling me in like secondary school when I did these talent shows and they saw me do it in athletics so I just found it like although I couldn't articulate it I found it fascinating how um, yeah just just showing your talent and, 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 and finding something that you're great at can flip the tables of what people how people look at you even though your appearance is not even changing so I felt like, um, yeah, music and the arts has been a big part of my identity to feel confident within my environment. Um, and then he, I guess, fast forwarding on university. When I was at university, um, I, well, I had a gap year actually. Um, and I met some other guys in Bournemouth that rapped. And 
we did like I don't know for some reason we was in Southampton doing a rehearsal for I think it was a college show and then the person who owned the club called Nexus he came up to me and said like hey I think you're talented like do you want to support the uh, London acts that are going to be coming to Southampton I was like yeah why not um and I think at the time it was like Klashnikov, uh, Jest, mm. Loki, mm. um, Kaiser, um, and I didn't. It's funny, like Jest is. I look at him like a UK Nas, like the way he articulates himself and just the way he puts words together is, is mind blowing. But at the time, I had no clue who he was. I didn't even when I was supporting him. I didn't even. I wasn't. My brain wasn't even in tune with the frequency of what he was saying. Yeah. And it's so weird because it's all rap, but I feel like I was very into, it's almost like it's a different music genre until you hear something that resonates with you. So I remember at the time, like I had, like, I didn't understand anything he was saying. I thought it was just like kind of like lyrical miracle, like kind of mystical rap stuff. Um, but I, I remember I was playing Tekken and, um, and I remember in the background, I think I must have had YouTube or something playing. Or just, and I remember Jess saying in a song called Freedom Fighters, he was like, we're living in a PlayStation TV generation of video gamers. They're mainly concerned with their next pair of trainers. They train us to worship the famous brainless pawns in the game. And just, oh, you need to hear the whole verse, but <laughs> the fact that I was playing my PlayStation yeah. and I was obsessed <laughs> by Nike trainers... Yeah. TV like it was just like I was just like oh shit you're speaking about me uh-huh. so as soon as he, I, I heard that I was like oh my god it opened up like another part of my brain and then I just went into his whole catalogue um, you know Return of the Drifter uh, High Platons Anthem um, The Alcoholic Author I just went into everything I was just like rah like this guy like the poetry that he's putting in this music um, so that got me onto the next wave um, beyond just the commercial stuff Um and then, yeah, a boy called Rick, in the sense of homing into my foster care story, that only really happened after uni because I was just trying to find um, my identity within the workspace. And it wasn't, I do freelance animation. Um, and I love, you know, doing animation um, as a job, but I always had this thing, I don't know if it's from hip hop, where I just wanted to have more, let's say, purpose with the work I was creating. So, at uni, I could do whatever I want. So it was like, you know, I, I my like my final major project was about showing parkour, free running in a new way. Because mm. um, c- in a similar sense to how I see hip hop and their original five elements, it's like these guys are taking this, you could say, street culture of like, not even street culture, as a metaphor, they're using the streets con- and being in control of their environment I wish I said that in a better way, but you know what I mean? Like they're, they're using their body and their environment to, to be in control rather than feeling overwhelmed by the city. Yeah. And and I just found it fascinating how you can, yeah, just go from A to B if you know how to use your body properly, move in a straight line rather than going around all these buildings. And obviously there's a bit of like uh, uh, acrobatics to it. So, but anyway, so I just, yeah, love the thought of um being in control of what you do and giving purpose and freedom to, to 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 the projects i was doing i guess essentially so then when i come out of uni it's just using graphics for advertising um to sell stuff and i was like this doesn't have no like sole purpose for me personally yeah 
it just pays the bills. Yeah. So then, um, and obviously, I was I was doing these shows here and there um, from Southampton and even a couple in London, but it was like I just didn't see. I I just done it because I loved it. You know, I didn't really I didn't really see beyond that. Um, but then when I found this purpose to tell my story, I guess that came at a time when I was like, you know what, there's three things I want to do before I'm 25. I want to tell my experience um, about um, my life in care. Uh, to help others I want to meet my dad for the first time and I want to go skydiving so um, yeah done all them things and uh, I guess that was the proper transition of um, having a real purpose within music to drive me beyond this just being a, a hobby yeah even though I don't put too much expectations in the sense of label like dreams and labels and the charts it's more just kind of thing like you know what back then i made a song like every few months um whereas now it's just like exercise like i do it on a regular basis and um you just nurture that muscle and it's just it's just it's just as long as i'm improving from yesterday um and i'm exploring deeper avenues into my identity um informed also by the workshops that I do and helping the community of where I'm from, then it's all good. Yeah, yeah man. You're making this easy. You're making this whole interview very easy for me. <laughs> I know. I, I go on tangents sometimes. Great. So you have to just tell me to shut up. It's, no, it's good, man. It's good, honestly. Like, So, um, what were you doing in Southampton just to, per chance? Just to... So, Bournemouth is next to Southampton. Yeah, and, yeah. And, um, and uh, I think... Based, uh, uh, Tony Bones, uh, the producer behind Jungle Brown, he, to my honest, the way we first met is through him beatboxing on the street and he thought that I had sick trainers and a sick tracksuit. I had like a light blue TN tracksuit. Um, yeah, proper like towny, as they would say back then before the word chav. Um, and uh, he just loved the way I look. And I guess, you know, obviously uh, hip hop has is, is synonymous with like street wear and just it's... it's it's a part of your identity, especially when you're trying to find yourself as a teenager. Yeah. So he just loved what I was wearing. It was like, oh, I heard you rap as well. And then he started beatboxing and I bust some bars. And that was our first initial connection. But I think going back to our initial conversation about MSN, I think somehow, some way, some of the MCs in Bournemouth were like, hey, I heard you spit, um, come and do a track or we're at, Brock on, we're at Brockenhurst Uni right now. And they've got like studios yeah. come through. So that was the initiation. And then, yeah, they had a rehearsal or a college show in uh, Southampton. All oh, right. And then that's where, yeah, the owner come up to me and like, hey, I want you to do it. But even at the time, I would say I was a bit, ner I was semi-nervous doing a show by myself because I didn't think I had enough material. Uh -huh. Plus, just the fact that these boys brought me to their, to, to, to create this opportunity. I was like, let's just do this together. Mm. Um and so I'm in a group called Jungle Brown, but it's like back then, before the name Jungle Brown, the group was called Alien Culture. Um, and uh, that was the foundation of our connection. Okay. Which would have been 15 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. That's, that's, that's interesting. Um, I only, only asked because I went to University of Southampton, so I was just like, uh, I was just asking. <laughs> just to, yeah, just... no, no, no. It was um, literally like... Solent. I'm not smart enough for the other one. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, no, Southampton was just, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, I didn't really know much about it. All I knew was yeah. that Craig David was a don. Yeah. 
he right, gave us a bit of inspiration. all over the field. It's right. That dude's every yeah. fucking way. Yeah. Oh god. It's been, yeah, yeah, man. He gave us so much hope because it's like you know, obviously, like London gets the spotlight now. Manchester's got a bit of spotlight mm-hmm. with like you know, obviously Bugsy Malone yeah, yeah. and IMDb and and H and like you know, it's it's branching out a bit, but Bournemouth is still not on the on the map for for music at all. So, although I'd like to think that Jungle Brown has done a little little thing for him, um, uh, but yeah, like Craig David, you know, the, for what he done and com- like coming from the you know the next the next town or would you say city next door is yeah. like um it was um that that was a big inspiration especially like he was just killing it back then and then yeah facts. obviously he pretty much got turned into a meme before even <laughs> memes were invented but still he's still a legend yeah no he's, he's she's gonna shout to craig david um why was it why 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 alien like alien culture was it why why yeah, yeah alien culture. Why? i have no clue like to be honest the 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 rapper that made that name <clears throat> he was very into just they're way into like task force and kind of wu-tang and kind of that left field of rap way before me so okay. i think just on just being going into them realms and smoking a lot um <laughs> i just think that's how alien culture come about but when when i think about the name now uh consciously i mean it's it's I I I can connect to it still just in the sense of like like being black or being a bit different you're alien anyway mm. so it's like let's just embracing otherness kind of, in a way yeah let's embrace yeah let's embrace our otherness so um, yeah I don't know where the original meaning but that's my meaning for today <laughs> <laughs> we'll t- we'll take that lock in. Yeah, no, I was just, uh, that, 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 that just whole, you basically gave me like a good, uh, <laughs> 10, 15 year background already. I was just trying to, I was just trying to break that down in my head, but, um, you were talking about, um, uh, I guess, uh, social care and all that and, uh, and that side. I'm just gathering that in terms of how you, um, of how you pattern yourself, um, it's, it's very, I guess in some way, very, um, uh, a lot of, a lot of positive identities, I guess, in, in how I, in, well, I'll, I'll go for just me and how I see things. Cause like in talking about, you know, trying to teach you stuff and social care and all that stuff. And then, you know, your own personal art, which is, I guess, in some way, self care for yourself. Mm. And obviously just, um, animation, graphic design, just to, you know, appease, appease the capitalist masses, um, mm. is kind of just, it, 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 it kind of, um, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say it cause that's, that's punny. Fuck it. It, it, it comes full circle, I guess, in that, can, in that sense. Jeez. I like that. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, 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 it's very fascinating from what you've already, from what you've just told me. It's just, it's just like, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting balance you found yourself not to not to give out the notion that your life is perfect or whatever but like it's just it's mm. it's an interesting it's an interesting balance you found for yourself i guess no thank you um 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know what more <coughs> to say to that. Um, <laughs> we can move I on. I guess, you, you know what, what I would say to it, what, 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 what I would say to that actually is that uh, I recently read about um, the hero's journey. Do you know, know about the hero's journey? I do. So like, yeah, it's been drilled I, into my I head. Find, yeah, I, I find that, um, I guess on my journey of, um, let's say, translating my story to not, to incorporate my my personalness, yeah, um, but but appeal to a wider audience, um, and especially to be honest, more to the point, when I started doing a bit of public speaking within the social care sector, um, I just the, the the essence of storytelling I wanted to know more about, and you know I found it fascinating that the archetype of foster heroes are usually um, foster heroes, the archetype of superheroes are usually fostered, adopted, or orphans, um, and to bring this back again full circle it's like when um when i was trying to understand my story i guess it's kind of, kind of like a the hero story in a sense like you know you I've, i i had an uh, an ordinary life well it wasn't that ordinary but i was in london and what i thought was ordinary and then kind of foster girl was like the extraordinary and it's like you have these obstacles let's say the first foster carers like just battling with them and just racism and all that and then you go through and it comes to a bit more of a lighter place and you know deep down like without going into it in a linear way obviously we go through cycles where there's lessons all the time and if you don't fully learn it then it's going to come around again yeah until it turns into a blessing so yeah. i just feel that it's like i'm a i'm a i'm you know i'm a, I'm a i live in my head half the time i'm a dreamer <laughs> and, I, and i think a lot so i think just just uh trying to understand um pieces of the puzzle um i've had to do my hero's journey and understand how do i defeat you know these dark places and fill in and fill in these gaps so yeah in a long-winded way that's uh that's my response <laughs> no fair, fair enough I, I, di- I didn't want it i didn't want just to guess and just leave it there i was going to continue but no it's all good um so let's get into some let's, let's get into some music because um Obviously, you've given a uh, in 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 parts a decent account of how you've um, uh, of of what music you've embraced um, in your own in your own uh, journey, I guess. Um. So, what was the um, what was the uh, I guess uh, inspiration once you? Once you st- once you started rapping, I think you've probably already answered this to be honest. In talking about obviously Eminem and doing talent shows, talking about Will Smith, but was that when you when you were dropping music for yourself and I guess for others as well? Were they, were were they in that case of growing up? Were you were you were um, patting yourself by, or was nah. it or was it someone else? Um. Yeah, I guess I mentioned them because yeah, that's yeah the the biggest. They, they they were like the yeah the biggest characters of the time and the sponge at first but when it comes to when i look at how i've um articulated myself and what i've based it on you could say well definitely when i did um a boy called rick my initial inspiration was lauren hill and tupac nice um because i just felt at that time 
because my 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 uh, story was very personal and 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 soul inspired. I, I, I guess is like you know they they were the first artists that come to mind and they they like um like Lauren Hill. Well, her only album. Well, I guess she's got unplugged. That that album is incredible. Um, and just Tupac as a as a force for 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 beyond music. Um, was just an inspiration um, and just as honesty. Um, so they they were, I would say, the catalyst of the way I rapped um, and the way I looked at melodies. Um, even when she was in, yeah, the Fugees, I just loved the way she, yeah, the way she done her thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Nas, from a creativity point of view, was a big inspiration. I just didn't fathom how I'd be able to even get on his levels. <laughs> like... But I just remember Nas is like, um, uh, the way he starts that, he's like, um, freedom of jail, clips inserted, the baby's being born, same time a man is murdered, the beginning and end. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. like, just, I look at that as like a movie, and I, and I just remember at the time, I was just like, yeah, just how can I paint a picture like that? Like, um, it's so cinematic, like the way he writes, and obviously everyone knows Illmatic, so... Um, I was fascinated by all of that. Uh, Jay, although saying that, Jay Z, Reasonable Doubt, I actually prefer as an album, um, because although I never understood what he was talking about at first when I used to play it in my car at seventeen, <laughs> my little one hundred and six, um, it was the jazzy, um, the, just the 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 way the way he. His flow was just so like uh, jazzy. I don't know how to explain it, but it's just so like free. Mm. And then he's got he's but he's got the t- like double entendres, triple entendres, and he's storytelling. But it was just I I was just entertained by his flow, like just and even in his freestyle with Big L, like the way he's just it's just almost like as soon as you're thinking he's stopping, he's starting again. And it's just I just love that there's just the playfulness of how he done it. Yeah. Um and a little bit after a boy called Rick, um, I guess what's really changed the way I rap is I heard um, just studying hip hop and, and and trying to understand where Nas kind of got inspired from. Um, I come across obviously Rakim, who pretty much changed how everyone raps. You know, everyone's rapping just nursery rhyme rapping, um, a bit like yeah, Run DMC, Sugar Hill Gang. But then he come with the way he used to do patterns and I wanted to know what's the catalyst of how he looked at innovating the patterns of rap and mm. he said that he his ja- his dad was a jazz player and he just wanted to be a, 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 be like a jazz instrument um, and when I first heard that that blew me away because it's just like oh right like rather than trying to sound like your favourite rappers why not sound like a saxophone what would that actually sound like mm. if you could put words to that sound? Mm. Um, so then when I started looking at patterns like that, I think what, hopefully what people hear from, especially around that time was early Jungle Brown period, but from what people can hear of a lot of the Jungle Brown material is that I was really coming, like I was literally just um, flowing as if I'm a jazz instrument and just making sure it has a playfulness and like, almost not doing the same pattern twice. So I just want it to 
feel really playful. Um, and that's why I think at first, um, around the time Jungle Brown started, I used to, I resonated with like Chance the Rapper because I think he has a at his say at his prime because uh, <laughs> must admit I'm like he still got it, but I just wasn't really feeling the the recent album. But Ugh. anyways, yeah. like just just his just you know acid rap times, yeah, yeah. like the way he like put words together and the you know the flows and it's just i felt like he he had that without i'm not sure if he even knows it but just that he's got that kind of saxophone like kind of element because it's just the melodies are just insane it's just and it's so good to hear on the ear even though you're not even even if you don't know what he's saying at first Mm. um so yeah that's kind of been my journey so just like jazzy flows even most deaf like umi says and just I'm I'm really into I guess what I've honed into more so recently the the melodic the melodicness of what you can do with lyrics. Um, even uh, even though to be honest, trap we're in a melodic time, but I'm just trying to do melody in my own way without necessarily just being a carbon copy of Travis Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, no. We could talk about that uh, all day. I definitely have. I've definitely have my. I've had my fair share of having that conversation with people. Yeah. And actually, I'm, I'm I'm talking about Lauren Hill on the on the next thing. Did so it's kind of interesting to say that. Uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be fun. Um, tune into that, guys. If you wanna tune into that, you can do this every Tuesday. Ciao. Um, so yeah, when it when it came to um, I guess uh, we'll we'll move into uh, Jungle Brown times now. Um, you kind of already uh, I guess talked about the beginning beginning. Uh, yeah. But in terms of music, uh, what was the beginning beginning of that, and uh, what was that? I guess uh, I guess that process like. Because I don't, I haven't, I didn't ask, and I probably should have beforehand. Like, how, how did you? Um, what was your process of recording uh, your like a boy called Rick and, and your solo stuff at that time? And then obviously you're doing Jungle Brown, which is obviously you know it's a completely different dynamic. So what were the yeah. what were the what were the differences in dynamics and how how the process changed for you, if any, if any yeah. of it did. No, it did. No, it's a good question. Um, so, uh, a boy called Rick was pretty much just me in my room, uh, forcing myself to write a song per week for a year, right? To gather up a material for uh, yeah, the project. Um, and I remember I used to write every other day. I used to write a verse every other night after work and record on a Sunday. Cause I had to have the routine on lock cause I was working full time. Yeah. And, um, and I feel when I listen to the project now, I can hear where I'm forcing it. Cause sometimes I wasn't like struck for inspiration, but I was just like, oh, I need to get it out and I need to finish this project. Cause I'm so determined. Yeah. Whereas I would say what happened with Jungle Brown, um, it was a, it's, it's a much more fun approach. Yeah. It's a much more fun process. Um, but not fun that I don't regret the, you know, my initial um, process. It was just more so that, um, uh, how could I explain? 
Um, Jungle Brown is, I, I would say, at first it wasn't as deep, you know. So, like when I look at, you know, like even actually, I don't want to get J Cole and Kendrick involved into this, but let's just say with with a, with, with a boy called Rick, it's almost like it's therapeutic. I need to get it out. I need to treat this like exercise, and 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna. Yeah, it's the like it's almost like to a certain extent I haven't wrote that much before, so I don't even know you know what the right or wrong is. I just need to do it, put it out, and I'll learn from it. Um, whereas with Jungle Brown, what was the beautiful, the the sick thing about that process is that although you can say at first it wasn't necessarily as deep, mm. because I'm bouncing off um, the other guys' energy, it's not even about that. It's about our, our our mutual connection. So I I remember for for a good um, when I was in the process of doing uh, teaching workshops and kind of homing in more into my story. I had a few insecurities about you know how I'm gonna how am I gonna do this alongside let's say my Jungle Brown identity because it's just like it 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 um it comes from a different place. But what I've come to learn now is that you know Jungle Brown is almost like the boys go to the pub and. Uh, you know, boys will be boys, and we're gonna talk about girls. We're gonna, we're gonna, you know, talk about our mutual frustration within the week, and that's that. Whereas, you know, a boy called Rick was my, you know, my personal art that I didn't even necessarily think about performing to the world. It was more yeah, just for me, yeah. and then what I want to share, I give out. So that is the difference in the process. But especially in the early, early Jungle Brown days, what I loved about it is that although one of the MCs left. Um, he he was very about um, the art of rap in the sense of he was very inspired by Wu Tang and just just um, metaphors and similes and triple entendres and oh did you hear what that guy said and da 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 he was such a geek yeah. with with rap that he inspired me to to um, even look more into Nas and get more geeky about what I love about <laughs> rap so. I can see a clear transition of the uh, the what uh, Jungle Brown. Let's say our first song was "What's on Your Mind." Uh, my bars on that song was um, "Thoughts be alien, radioactive like uranium, running rings around Saturn. The mind's a lethal weapon, harder than titanium." Mm. Like that was kind of partly inspired by having you know him around, but also I was. Honestly, at that time, I was listening to every single unreleased Nas song I could find online like like the lost tapes or anything anything he recorded and I think because I was just a sponge to the way he was doing his thing and I think a combination of that and then me just running because I love running running's like a kind of just helps me free my mind right. that that lyric just came out of me and um, after post running when I got home and I was listening to a uh, some Pete Rock or actually, I was listening to a beat called Alien. I don't know who it was from, but it's called Alien Culture, and it was on YouTube at the time. Right. Um, but it was like a Dilla, Pete Rock vibe. Um, and I presented that to the boys, to Jungle Brown. I was like, look, I've got this lyric, and I think the chorus should be like, what's on your mind? And they're like, yeah, that's it. i got a bar for it too. And then the other MC who's in Jungle Brown still, Maya, um, I would say his, the way he articulates himself, he's more just like a, a vibes person slash ladies man he's he's that kind of side of things when it comes to rap right. um you know they spat their bars on it and then that was the foundation of jungle brown so um 
cut long story short, I feel Jungle Brown really um, helped me do bars that are relatable in in, in a mutual experience of um, us as people slash just I guess insecurities from my solo project and 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 hearing how they look at rap it forced me to be a better MC yeah um so yeah that's that's yeah that's that's the process yeah cool is there any reason why it's called Jungle Brown at all was there any symbolism behind it uh <laughs> similar to alien culture I think um, <laughs> it was just an uh, Bruv, be alright, let me tell you the real story. Basically the MC that left the group yeah. actually came up with the name Jungle Brown. We had loads of names, like like we I think I wanted to do something that felt more futuristic. Like I remember I was listening to Selection at the time. Right. Uh-huh. Um and I had something to do with like I don't know, the name bait now, it's not even good, but like I wanted to do something with like soul future or soul soul I don't know, soul something. I just wanted to show that, you know, we're we're speaking from the heart, but we're trying to I don't know, move forward with our with our sound. But um he didn't accept the name and to be honest, to a certain extent he was he was a bit like a he was quite a dominant character in regards to like I I'm the way I am, I'm quite an easygoing person. As long as you give me the music, I'm gonna write. Like right. I, I didn't even have a qualm on sound. I was like, whatever beat, let me just get on it, let me jump mm. on it. Whereas he was very like the name has to be this and the sound has to be this and we need to do this and it's just like, all right, whatever. Like, yeah, whatever you say. <laughs> so it's quite funny because about when he left the group um, and there was a bit of like, uh, uh, what's, what's the word? Like unnerviness and like uneasiness about us as a collective because it was like, look, like we're, we're, We've just got booked for Boomtown, Glastonbury, um, and then the, the following year, Lovebox. The following year after that, we, we signed an album to a label. But it's like we've got this name, and the person who founded the name's not even in the group. Right. And the other two, I would say they're they're a bit like, no, 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 let's not mention him no more. This, this, and that. But you know what? I'm just I wear my heart on my sleeve. I don't really care. For me, like the way I've come to uh, give meaning to the name is that we're in the jungle, we're in the city, and brown is the soul. Like, it's just us putting, you know, our, our soul to what we're doing in the city. So that's how I've come to, you know, put my meaning to it. And the producer himself, I think the identity to his sound is that he always wants to make it earthy, even though he might even, you know, do trappy stuff or more modern sounding sound, he'll always have an earthiness. Um, to his sound so it doesn't feel fully um, just synthetic so that's pretty much I feel the identity of Jungle Brown regardless of where the people come from So that was part one of my interview with Mr. Rick Flo. Part two coming right up from the Piffin Podcast Network. I'm Chate and it's been most good. Hope you all have a good week. I should always try and do the same. But until next time, take it easy. Ladies and gentlemen.